Good morning. It is awesome to be here with so many friends and so many people who have been such a big part of my discipleship journey. Uh, Bob was alluding to the fact, and I, I don't speak very much at all, uh, and so this is kind of boom, boom. Uh, I had a very small part in a uh, conference in New York called the Entrepreneurship Forum. And I was talking to some friends. I said, I am just so happy and so blessed to go before Tim Keller and not after. And God, in his infinite sense of humor, has me after David Platt. So I, I appreciate that. So I am uh, from Baltimore, Maryland. Anybody from Baltimore? Okay. Uh, okay, I'm from Texas. Yeah. Uh, I saw somebody raise their hand from Baltimore. I didn't know that. And I met you last night. I didn't know that. Um, so I grew up in Baltimore uh, in a middle-class family. Uh, two parents who loved me, who did not uh, know the Lord at the time. Uh, and uh, I fell in love with money maybe when I was six or seven. And I got the, the concept that uh, we could have nicer things if we had more money. And uh, I wanted it. And when I was growing up, my big thing that I really wanted to buy with money was I wanted to get those Levi corduroys. We always had, I had to wear these tough skins. And, uh, and that really worked on me. And I thought, you know, someday, and my dad said, we, you know, we don't have enough money for you to buy Levi corduroys. Uh, and my mom, I, you know, as a kid, and I'd get the scratches on the knee and she'd patch them up. And it just, uh, it wasn't so very cool. So I thought, someday I want to get a lot of money. Uh, I discovered the joy of making money. Uh, the incomplete joy, but the partial joy of making money in college. I ran a college marketing company and sold t-shirts up and down the East Coast at college campuses and, um, and made a lot of money. And that gave me a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction uh, to a certain extent, but I wanted more. And I think we probably all know what that feels like. Uh, so I got out of college. I knew that I wanted to get a real job. I had seen the movie Wall Street, the original one, uh, with Charlie Sheen. And uh, Charlie Sheen was the guy I wanted to be with the, uh, the sushi maker and, and uh, you know, making music in this great apartment in the Upper West Side, listening to Talking Heads. And I thought, that, that's what I want to be when I grow up. How lame is that? You want to be Charlie Sheen. Uh, <laughs> but that was me. Uh, I worked on Wall Street for six years. I uh, was involved in institutional trading of energy. Uh, five guys, uh, four guys and I decided we want to set out uh, on our own and set up a firm. And uh, my two closest friends on the desk, Mike uh, Peltier and Paul Skripek, and, and I and two others. And one by one, they started getting cold feet and started backing out. And, uh, and then it just left me. And, but I really felt that I wanted to be out on my own again. I wanted to make money. I wanted to be paid what I was worth. Back then, I thought I was worth a lot. Now I know that I'm not. On one hand, I'm worth nothing. On the other hand, I know that, God, I'm worth everything. But I wanted to set up a company. So Kimberly and I moved to North Carolina, knowing that it'd be easier to hire folks um, down there. And, and we did that. And that was really the first example of God working in my life before I even knew and accepted him. Um, I came to Christ in 98 at the age of 28. And uh, of course, that changed absolutely everything. Uh, changed my perspective on life. Uh, it changed to whom I gave all of my hope to. Uh, candidly, it didn't right away change my love of money. Uh, and it is a great amount of divine providence. Um, uh, the company flourished, did very, very well. Uh, the great saving grace of that whole story is that 
our desk uh, uh, got folded into a company called Cantor Fitzgerald, and, and Paul and Mike were among 600 of Cantor's employees that died on 9-11, which is where I should have been. And uh, I give God great credit for, for helping me to, to, to go off that mission. So new Christ follower, love, uh, love the Lord, but I also still had my love of money. It gave me the sense of purpose and meaning, and uh, we just wanted to buy more things, lots of more things. And uh, we wanted to get a vacation home. Uh, my wife is a beach person. I'm a mountain person. And uh, we ended up uh, deciding, of course, to get the beach house. Got a nice beach house. <laughs> and uh, we went to, uh, about five years after starting this new company, Bandwidth.com, sold the, the energy company, started Bandwidth.com, uh, we went to a small group on the subject of calling. And I went to support my wife to help her find out what her calling was, right? How patronizing is that? I knew what my calling was. I was called to make a lot of money. But uh, during the course of that, I felt called to be in ministry. Now, for those of us who are in business, we are in ministry. And uh, I got to embrace that with my business partner over the ensuing five years. But I also felt there was an opportunity to do something outside of JustBandwidth.com. And we came up with a five-year plan that had me retire uh, when I turned 40. Uh, I still retain uh, ownership, and I'm, I'm the chairman of the company, but I've been focusing on ministry, and it's been great. Um, we do a number of different things. Uh, one is something called Durham Cares. Uh, Durham Cares helps people in Durham to love their neighbor. During this time of transition, I met a guy that so many of you know and love named Daryl Heald. And he said, so let me understand this. You're helping people to understand where and how they might give in a way that brings them closer to God. And we did Durham Cares and Ministry Spotlight and some other things. I said, yes, that's it. Thinking that was pretty cool. And he then said or asked, why do you give? And that simple question changed everything again. I call that my born again moment. And it sent me back to scripture and it helped me to understand why I give. It helped me to understand the thousands of passages in Scripture that talk about money and giving and possessions. And I came to understand, of course, as so many of you have, that the reason that I give isn't because God's just necessarily given me a lot. Up until that point in time, Kimberly and I probably were giving about 20% of our money away. Um, we thought that put us in a special section of heaven when we got there, maybe box seats to Angels games or something like that. <laughs> And uh, I felt pretty good about it. I also felt maybe even that God needed my money. Uh, but going back to Scripture, that was my born-again-again moment. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. I'm thinking, you know, maybe an hour ago, I may have had my born-again-again-again moment <laughs> with David. Um, so one of the things that, that, that happened to me, and it happened, of course, the first time I came to Christ, too, is I wanted to share this good news the first time, of course, is the good news that Jesus Christ has died for our sins. The second time was that as we give and understand why we give and give out of gratitude for the gift we're given, it frees us up and it does give us joy. It's not just a hallmark saying for me. It is more joyous and, and blessed to give than receive. And so I wanted to share this good news with others. And so now what we spend most of our time now in our ministry resourcing is working with overseas ministries to take this good news of giving overseas as a means to bring people closer to God. Because in my life, I've, I've come to realize, of course, that God doesn't need my money. He just wants my hearts. And worldwide giving is at about 2.8% among evangelicals. And, and that's the same in America and it's the same in Africa. 
But God just doesn't need our money or just our hearts. He wants the hearts of people in Uganda and, and Ecuador. And, and that's become a big deal for me. And, and, and fortunately, my wife is, is supporting me in that. I'm grateful for it. Um, one of the things that's really helped me in my journey of generosity, because by mo no means is it complete, there's a lot more that we could do. And every time we do it, we feel better. And you think we'd get to the finish line so much quicker. And I wish the pace of our journey sometimes was quicker than it is. But one of the things that's really helped me is teaching. I've recently become an elder in our college flock, and it's a bit of irony. Is I, I live in Durham, North Carolina, but I'm a huge Carolina fan. Um, and I was asked to join our session with responsibility for the Duke students and, and uh, graduate students. And, and uh, that's been wonderful, wonderful for me. But as, as I've come to love them, uh, which has become much easier than I ever thought it would be, I've come, to, <laughs> I've come to also teach them. And one of the stories I tell them is this. And it's really a story that I've been telling to myself. I'm riding my bike home from class. Big wind comes in, blows me into a ravine. And uh, you know, about 200 feet down, I'm tumbling down. I grab onto a root. And I grab onto this root and thinking, surely somebody saw me fall down. I'm going to be rescued any second. But nobody comes. And I start getting distraught and despondent and thinking, I'm going to miss Kimberly and, and my boys. And, and then I, right then, a rope comes down. And a voice says, don't worry about it. I got your back. And uh, I come up, and at the top, there's a, an Hispanic guy. This is the way it goes in the story. And, and he's got this van. And he says, you know, I, I saw this bike. I thought maybe somebody might be in trouble. And so I lowered this rope down. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm so grateful. That's awesome. And he says, so how do you like studying here at Duke? And I'm like, I love it. And he says, well, you know, I got these, these sons, and they've always wanted to go to Duke and could get in, but they can't afford it. I wouldn't hesitate for a second to pay for their full boat. But one of the things that's impacted me as I've taught this story is I tell these guys, and I'm telling myself, and for all of you who teach Sunday school, you know what I mean. So I said, so I've got, on one hand, I've got 60 years more on this earth, Lord willing, with my wife and my kids. And this guy just happened by, it wasn't any sweat off his back at all to give me this gift of life. On the other hand, because of Jesus, I've got eternity with him. My six-year-old calls it Googleplex years. I don't know that Googleplex is a number, but it's apparently a very big number, at least for a six-year-old. But I have Googleplex years with God. And this gift given to me of Googleplex years came at extremely high cost to me. But my giving, our giving, has not been proportionate to that. See, what I've understood in my giving, and it's even after my born-again-again moment, is that sometimes what I do effectively in life amounts to a hedge. If I truly, truly grasped what David was talking and preaching about, if I truly got it, my living patterns would be different. I'm hedging myself a little bit. With so much of my giving, I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about with that, but I've been convicted, and no, none more so than I was an hour ago. So uh, my wife is awesome, uh, an absolutely amazing woman. And, and there's a Journey of Generosity event in Raleigh uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were asked to share our story. And, and uh, I asked Kimberly, and Kimberly said, you know, I'm not a speaker. I, that's not what I do. And, and, and generosity is your thing. That's what gets you fired up. And, um, and, but at any rate, we went up together, and she was nice enough. And she said, okay, I'll stand with you next to the stage. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell the story that you've heard but I also wanted to talk about the fact that uh, as Kimberly has come to understand my passion for sharing this good news of giving overseas, 
she's really come along with it. And, and uh, just a couple months ago, she came to me and said, you know, I know you have this heart for teaching people about giving overseas. Let's sell the beach house and give it all to those ministries. And as I went to tell the story, just as I'm getting a little choked up about it now, there I lost it. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't continue. And she finished the story for me. And she's just an amazing woman. And uh, what I've come to understand, of course, is that uh, I've got an amazing wife, three incredible boys. But most of all, I have an incredible Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, he became poor. So I, who am incredibly, was incredibly poor, might become rich. And I am indeed a very, very rich man. And I know that so many of you are as well. And I I just praise God for that. Thank you for letting me share my story.